0: Hello and welcome to the PC Gamer Podcast. My name is Samuel Roberts and I'm the editor of PC Gamer UK and I'm joined by...
1: Phil Savage, deputy editor of PC Gamer. Tom Senior, a web editor at pcgamer.com.
2: Andy Kelly, section editor. We've brought back this podcast, uh, not
0: necessarily by popular demand, um, <laughs> but just because uh, it. we thought it'd be a fun thing to do, really. Um, we've just come off the back of the PC Gamer Weekender, which is a UK consumer event where a load of... Uh, Our readers came and met us, and they seemed really passionate about who we are and what we do. And we thought a podcast would be a a cool way to, you know, create a little bit of a community around the um, UK side of PC gamer. So that's what this is. Uh, We've got a really familiar mix of podcast stuff here, mainly because I couldn't be bothered to think of any new ideas. Uh, But we're going to talk about a bunch of games. Then we're going to do some reader questions, and it's as simple as that. And as the weeks go on, we might start doing other stuff as well, Steam key giveaways. You know, maybe we'll have like features or certain subjects we debate. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but for now we're just going to talk about games So the first game on our list is The Division Tom Clancy's The Division and a bunch of you guys have been playing it Isn't that correct?
2: Yes <laughs> 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 Yes we have, uh, as we record this, it's been out for a couple of days Is it a couple of days? When did it come out? Tuesday I think Tuesday, yeah, yeah. and I've been playing it pretty much non-stop since It's, it's captured my, uh, my, all my free time, is now Division time it's a surprise though, Andy, because
0: I, I thought you, you're the sort of person who hates Ubisoft kind of nonsense and like yeah. uh, well, that, bad storylines and lame premises and things like that. Yeah,
2: I'm surprised I like it as much as I do. I thought the, the beta or beta, I know how some people get uh, annoyed when you say it wrong. The beta or beta, um, I didn't like much at all. I thought it was a bit rubbish. And I think that's because there was no real sense of like ownership of the character. It was like, this character won't exist when the beta ends. But now that I now have a character that is, will continue for many hours if the, that's kind of that's part of the appeal of it of just slowly building a character up over time. Yeah,
0: I I started it this morning. I haven't actually played anything more than like the first few minutes. But like I was shocked to discover that in the division there's no more than five faces for that entire military force. Um, did you yeah. guys uh, do you guys find that a bit weird like uh, mm. it was like this, the, the opening cinematics like it, it could be anyone it could be your friends your lovers yeah. all this sort of stuff
2: but they've always got one of five faces the character creator is really bad like especially <laughs> for an MMO type game it's really comically limited with like four basically identical haircuts and a smattering of beards yeah yeah they've really <clears throat> and the, I think people complain about the beta having limited customization options and I think someone at Ubisoft said oh there will be more, and there isn't. But I think because a lot of your gear, you don't really see your face much. So as soon as you get a hat and a scarf and, you know, you suddenly your face, you don't really see it. You don't really look at other players either. Like, when I see another player, I look at their gear rather than their face. So maybe they just left it sort of generic on purpose. So what i are saying
3: is, unlike in Watch Dogs, the hats here are actually iconic.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, Yeah. The, there's some good ones in there. There is. <laughs> Tell me about that, there's a beanie hat. There is one of them ones with the flappy ears. There's a cowboy hat. Uh, there's a bobble hat with these a. Little don't, these thing don't on top. sound like things you get excited about, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, that's the thing. It's it's weirdly, it, it's the same reason any game with equipment that you unlock, that drops, it's just really compelling to see a shaft, the shaft of light that pops up from an item, and if it's blue, if it's a light blue, you know it's some clothing if it's dark blue you know it's like a really good bit of loot and that and that sort of it feeds your lizard brain you go you see those colors and you go stuff things i want the things <laughs> i've earned the things and uh so yeah I, I i don't know why i like it and i i got the same thing when i heard people talking about destiny where a lot of people played destiny and didn't seem to like it and i feel like with a division i don't know why i like it so much considering it's just a pretty basic third person shooter with some RPG stuff in it, but yes, there's something about it, it's just very compelling, the, the loop of shoot men, pick things up, shoot tougher men, pick
1: better things up, repeat has just, is grabbed me. Hmm. Is it because it's set in a world that is functionally dead <laughs> and completely destroyed, is it the setting that kind of draws you into That's it? I think it's a big part of it, the setting is, you know, obviously everyone's seen the footage of it and
2: the initial uh, target footage that Ubisoft released was slightly touched up, <laughs> but it still looks amazing. Like, you know, on um, uh, not quite as good as that footage, but it's still one of the most incredible settings in terms of world building and atmosphere and stuff. Like it's, when you get to Times Square, there's a, there's a mission where you're restoring the power in Times Square and you're having this shootout with like 50 enemies. End Times Square, and as you're doing it, the power's coming on, and all the billboards are lighting oh, up. Oh, awesome! Mm. And so this a blizzard comes in, and suddenly you see all these massive coloured lights just blinking on through the snow, and like those bits like that, you're like, that's 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 pretty damn cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. Hey, so uh, Tom, you Phil, you guys have been playing it too? Is that right? No.
1: Uh, I played a bit of the beta and didn't <clears throat> like it at all. Uh, just mm. just because I didn't find the shooting to be satisfying, and I didn't understand how. Uh, the enemy. I think there was no variety of enemies in the beta, for a start, and there is more variety in the enemies in the actual full game. Like there are factions, and they have kind of special units. So you've got these guys called, I think they're called the Cleaners or something. Yeah,
2: uh, there's yeah. Their their sort of premise of the Cleaners is that they just want to burn everyone to stop the virus. Yeah. So they think they're doing the good thing by burning everyone and everything. But obviously, they're the baddies. So,
1: and they walk around with them. They've
2: got loads of flamethrower guys. Yeah, Uh, really long range flamethrowers, and they'll just walk towards you. Yeah, like in the beer, it was the basic enemies which hide behind cover, whereas the cleaners they'll just walk towards you, forcing you to constantly be ducking out of cover and moving, which is really quite challenging.
1: You can also, if you get the right shot on their tank, this is quite a video gamey thing that has tested like, yeah. in shooting rages, <clears throat> but it doesn't stop it from being really satisfying where you kind of you, you put a bullet into the tank on their back yeah. and it starts sparking, and they still keep coming towards you, they're kind of oblivious to it sometimes, and then uh, a few seconds later they just explode and the explosions look really <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, and it takes
2: game. out anyone in the area, so mm-hmm. if there's a bunch of cleaners bunched up somewhere you get your marksman rifle out with your scope and you just carefully just pop the tank and then five of them die at once. And That's it's cool. it's pretty satisfying. I remember a similar system in Resident
0: Evil 6. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm sure they were.
2: Well, that happened with birth. real flamethrower trips in uh, World War Two. Their life expectancy was the lowest of all because you could literally shoot the tanks on their back. And
0: if, only they'd they read, if only they'd read about history, they wouldn't, they wouldn't <laughs> yeah. have wore those tanks in the
1: first place. So, you know, pop yeah. some armor over them or something. I love yeah. their commitment to... Uh, their idealistic cause of burning everything just <laughs> yeah. a, you, you ca- they carry around flamethrowers every minute of the day just in case a, a person needs to be burned might yeah need to go down to shops it's like yeah might, might need to burn something gonna, <laughs> gonna pick up the old flamethrower and head on down. <laughs> yeah there's a, a there's a good thing where you can sort of uh,
2: like a lot of games with cooldown based skills it gets the combat gets way more fun and varied the more stuff you unlock the more perks you unlock so now what I do is when I'm fighting the cleaners as I, I've got a little turret that I've upgraded to shoot fire so I toss it into the throng of enemies then it shoots out flames and, and when an enemy's on fire they stop and start trying to you know pat the flames out and then whilst they're doing that I shoot the tanks on their backs so it's like a, a really satisfying little combo where it's turret, flame uh, f- you know stun shoot the tank and blow them up with my marksman rifle it's like so the those skill combos and perk combos and talent combos are you know as they pile up, the combat gets a lot more interesting than just shooting. Yeah, you didn't get you didn't
0: really get a sense of that in the beta, did you? Um, mm. no, no, not at
3: all. Um, like the, it just wasn't enough skills and abilities in the beta to really judge it. And I think like the plain combat without skills on that, especially in the beta, and I don't know how it is in full release, was quite yeah, it's, it was quite plain. It was yeah. very like the enemies were very bullet spongy. Um, I could never work out why the the one. Woman in a hoodie has like maximum armor, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. That's still the, the, there's that jarring mix of RPG systems and real world settings. So, for example, if you drink a bottle of water, you do 20% more damage against elite enemies. <laughs> uh, what does that mean? It's like it just feels obviously it's, it's a game and they have to apply these rules, but it doesn't make any sense. Where well, you can almost believe in like Borderlands that some mad uh, guy and you know plate armour and stuff as a big bullet sponge whereas bosses in this yeah. are just yeah. people in hoodies yeah and like
3: Borderlands or Destiny like it, it's lasers and guns and it's silly cartoons whereas here it's yeah. it's New York and admittedly it's a silly New York where the money's gone bad and, there's, <laughs> and, and there are people who walk to the shops with flamethrowers <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, but it is still like it's, it's places you recognise and, and that's for some reason for me that just makes like the RPG systems feel more jarring yeah I don't mind that too much though like um ugh. It's a
0: weird thing where you appreciate how uh, kind of like well realized the city is. Like it's an incredibly detailed uh, setting. They've they've picked like one slab of New York, and I think originally they were going to try and do the whole island, um, but I think it's probably wiser to do it this way. Uh, it's mid Manhattan
2: yeah. for anyone that doesn't know. So it's like a sort of strip through the middle of the island, which encompasses like the Island District, Times Square. So there's no like um, financial Street. district. Yeah, there's no Central Park. Um, that's actually maybe Central Park's in the Dark Zone, but there's a bit basically there's lots of I- iconic New York areas that aren't in it but will be inevitably mm. in mm. expansions. Mm, interesting. Um, Have
3: you done much in the Dark Zone? Oh, yeah the, yeah,
2: the Dark Zone is something I've just gotten into because I'm writing something for our next issue about it. Um, I've just started playing it, and it really is, I think, the the place that will set the vision apart from other games in the MMO style. Um, It's basically, there's a strip up the center of the playing area that's, um, you know, the infection has just gone, run rampant and it's the most, it's it's, the military went in, they all died. It's just a no, it's like a no man's land. Um, But when you go into the dark zone, you share that, the space you're in with 24 other players as well as super tough enemies. So it's kind of like a Daisy-esque thing. You throw players in with each other, you throw in enemies and see what happens and so there's you know it, the tension is always the best loot is in there so you want to go in there and get the best gear but you have to call on a helicopter to extract the, the loot <clears throat> and when you do that everyone is alerted the fact that a helicopter's coming so it's that tension of like am i going to get my stuff onto the helicopter before like a group of players come yeah. and try and steal it off me
0: i tried try this a bit in the beta and like uh it's another thing where you have to kind of reconcile the the game with the real world and it's like they're all competing over a poison beanie hat, <laughs> yeah. uh, trying to extract it using yeah. a helicopter to extract one hat, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like in Michael Jackson in the nineties or something. Yeah. Um, and like, uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I couldn't quite get over that, but I did like the idea that. There were people who'd formed like this, uh, this uneasy alliance, um, yeah. but, but an alliance nonetheless. And I came along like level seven or whatever. Hey guys, then just opened fire on all of them. <laughs> yeah, just shot me dead, and probably thought, what an idiot. <laughs> um, I like the idea that there's uh, little stories that can spring up within that, because it sounds like yeah. that doesn't happen quite as much in the in the normal game.
2: No, because the PV area is quite video gaming, quite uh, scripted feeling, whereas in PvP, Dark Zone stuff, it's humans interacting in amusing ways and. There's, you know, the stories of people, you know, making friends and then those friends turning on them and the, and the extraction point just to steal the stuff and like, and there's the, but it's mostly been quite nice people I've met in there. I've been quite lucky, whereas what I do is if I see someone, I run up next to him and I drop a, a healing pack next to him just to go like, uh, here's my peace offering. I'm nice. <laughs> it's like The Walking Dead or something. <laughs> yeah. Because, wow. yeah, but then, you know, sometimes it will still turn on you anyway because People are going to be people, aren't they? Because there's that beanie hat. Yeah, you got to get it. You got to get that purple beanie hat. Actually, clothing doesn't have uh, ranks, but it's still quite sought after. But when you, if you've got a pack full of purple and blue gear, which is the best, or gold even, um, if you drop it, it's there for the taking. So if anyone sees the pillar of light popping up of this thing you just dropped, they'll come and take it, and it will say, "So and so has stolen your, you know." Pistol plus one. <laughs> That's
0: interesting. I suppose the key question is then, do you think there's a, a sort of long tail to it, a reason to, for people to keep playing after they've cleared out all of the main story stuff, seen all of the world?
2: Yeah, there was a Reddit thread about this, actually, about people who are already level 30 who'd foolishly rushed through it, and they're like, what do I do now? And the kind of gist was um, uh, crafting really good gear, collecting materials for crafting the best gear uh, to get the maximum sort of DPS. And I... Um, and basically the dark zone I think is incentive so lots of fully good max level players can then just go and have a big Barney (laughs) or be friends or whatever so I think that adds uh, the end game is there's some really hard end game missions you can do challenge missions but there's also the human element of just going in and messing with newbies or yeah that kind of thing so I think it has it's got a, a bit more once you've maxed out there's a bit more to do than a lot of these types of games I think just by virtue of the the multiplayer stuff
0: interesting all right Well, it, certainly the fact it's captured your imagination and he makes me kind of intrigued about it like uh, and i really want to see every part of that map to uh to have seen the new york they've built because yeah um, mm. i suppose that the, the best new york in games is probably still liberty city and that was created like eight years ago so it'd be nice to see that city realized with that much detail you know yeah. oh that's crisis Two, i suppose but i think it's better like than, it. than,
2: than than i think it's the best new york i've seen of I've been there a couple of times and standing in Times Square in the division you get that amazing feeling you get standing in the actual one where it's just your your senses are just overwhelmed by the lights and the immense immensity of everything yeah, it's so, amazing
0: yeah. yeah, that's cool all right cool um so something we've all been playing also is Hitman uh, which has just launched this week with its season premiere uh, it's launched today I think when we're recording, which is the Friday. And yes, we all played the beta, and now we've all played, at least had one playthrough of the main Paris level in the game. What do you guys think of Hitman?
1: I think it's quite good. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I do worry that it's uh, it's it's going back to the uh, Blood Money sandbox approach to the Hitman series, after they kind of dallied with a more kind of probably commercially successful <laughs> kind of... Uh, directed cutscene led approach with Absolution, where it was very kind of linear levels, then a little sandbox, and then some cutscenes. And they dialed it way back, and it's actually very, um, very kind of narrow now. Like, there's very little story padding around it. Mm. It's just here's a sandbox, mess with it. Here's a bigger sandbox, mess with it. Uh, and I think the big question about it is like, are those sandboxes detailed enough to sustain people in between the episodes that they're planning to release gradually over the course of the next year?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, they're certainly bigger than in Blood Money. Or- Based on the Paris level, which is the main level of this first episode, they're certainly bigger than they were in Blood Money, but whereas Blood Money came out and it was a series of levels and you could sort of spend as long or as little in each one as you wanted, here we've got a month hmm. of Paris and yeah, how much? how much is that gonna sustain and how much does it need to sustain somebody until the next one comes out? I mean there's not a whole month of playing a game in there, but hmm. at the same time, like how you know if we can get five hours or more out of each episode and then leave it go on to something else and hey there's a new hitman this month that's quite nice so, yeah. so i personally think
0: you could get about six to seven hours out of it like <clears throat> um even just the beta levels i played the um the boat one which is uh the first tutorial level which is on a on a boat that hasn't been that hasn't been in the sea yet and is at the bottom of some kind of like
2: well, it's a it's a set built by the, yeah. the agency that hires yeah. Hitman They've they've recreated a famous hit, I was that and so everything's made of wood.
0: Okay, that, see, I uh, I didn't pay attention to the cutscenes <laughs> because they're bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> they are though, aren't they? are they the, are they the most boring
2: thing? Like uh, at least it tells you at the bottom when it, how much it's loaded of the game yeah. by you, this thing. They're quite short. Yeah, they're very, s- yeah, and they're very <laughs> slight on <and> st- <laughs> actual content as well. I mean, the opening cutscene is just yeah. Hitman turning up to this base and going right. Now it's time for your training, and then the mission starts. Did you, bad. Bad. Did you think
1: that a boat had taken a wrong turn <laughs> in, in, into a giant map? tunnel no. I, s- I assumed.
2: Wood. I
0: assumed it was had it had been built in this factory and <laughs> had was had not been out. Did yet, you not yet? notice that so
2: everything was uh, made of plywood? And the second yeah, no, I mission as well, everything. And the whole military base is made out of wood as well because it's. A- uh, I didn't notice on the military base. <laughs> Clearly, but, I'm
0: uh, observant and well
2: informed on this
3: matter. But the, the best part about the tutorial is that, that like, Diana, who's your handler, has like one line at the start, which is like, "Oh, this all the weapons are simulated and that don't we? you're not actually killing people. Yeah. It's just training." And he's like, "Okay, but you can blow them up. Yeah, and you can." You can drop large, heavy things on their heads. Yeah. You can just throw a crowbar in their face. I mean, yeah, that's, that, that's not that. You can't They're all made of polystyrene that. yeah. now.
2: That's the thing. Yeah. They're, they're just really good actors. So Agent 47 throws a cardboard crowbar, and these actors are really good at making it, selling yeah. it. Like wrestling, they're all pro wrestlers. Are you sure it's not it's real? It's
0: like, I definitely just shot that guy in the head. And <laughs> yeah.
2: He's dead right there, and he's in a bag, and there's like two more of them. I, so. I've
0: <laughs>
3: definitely drowned that man in a toilet. You drown a lot of people in a lot of <laughs> toilets in, in mm. the new Hitman. But it's, yeah. yeah, it's... um. I I really wish they'd sort of committed to that a bit more for the tutorials, and just had incidental lines as you hit with a crowbar, going out oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. my face. <laughs> yeah. <Just> really, allow, <laughs> kind of over the top death scenes. Yeah. Who so, throws
1: a crowbar? I mean, seriously, come on! <laughs> uh, it's the best <laughs> bit, though. I love throwing things in that game. Yeah, uh, like, uh, throwing hammers is, is really and, satisfying, and scissors as well it's really fun. Yeah.
0: Tom, you made an interesting point <laughs> yesterday that the throwing is like it's so accurate relative to the guns <laughs> that it's almost a bit unbalanced. Um, and I do agree with that actually.
1: Yeah, um, I went uh, through the Paris level and I found a cut. Uh, behind some glass, and you have to break the glass to get the cutlass. But you mean frankly, you, you mean stole it from a glass case? That, that's... Oh, I just found a cutlass <laughs> behind some glass. Yeah, and, uh... <laughs> yeah so, so I robbed the place, and then uh, I, I, was, I had a cutlass, and then, but you know the noise is suspicious because it sounds like someone robbing a cutlass <laughs> from a glass case. Uh, so I, I kind of just waited there and wondered what kind of attacks I could do with it. And you can basically instantly kill anyone in close combat with it, which is true of swords, generally. Like, swords can do that, that's fine. Uh, but also you can throw it and if they're within a certain range, you automatically lock onto their head, and when you click the button, he throws it into their head with 100% accuracy yeah. uh, and, and completely silently, making it better than any gun you could possibly you know take into the level.
3: I mean, yes, but... Like, I, I killed one on the targets that way, not with a cutlass, but with just a kitchen knife mm. uh, and threw it at his head while he was on stage, but... Because I threw it on his head from a fairly close range in a public place, no one was in any doubt as to who had done that murder. (laughs) Whereas with, like, a silence pistol, at least you can, like... Take them out, even in a public place, and you'll lose points for the, being no- for the body being noticed. But no one will know you were the one who did
1: it. It's got that brilliant uh, notification that pops up that says, like, crime noticed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <And that laughs> it's been a, a crime! Thing, which is really great when you're just throwing a sword into someone's head and uh, someone's watching. It's crime noticed! But I found that the AI is so sluggish that I was able to walk up and pull the sword out and then kill the person who'd just seen me and then, you know, chain that. Uh, until half the palace was dead, I, I was only I was only stopped when I tried to charge the front steps with my sword, <laughs> and there were about four or five guards, and I cut down two of them before they they, they actually eventually got. It was like that. like that to the summary. I don't know.
0: What, <laughs> I don't know what the uh, the solution is there because either they could make the weapon the melee weapons slightly less accurate, or maybe you need to be it won't it won't do an auto lock on or something like that. But at that, this point, it might frustrate players who are used to that. But <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's a tricky. It's a tricky matter.
3: I'm not sure it matters to be honest because yeah, okay. I think. It It is fun. Yeah, the challenge almost seems to be, like, if you want to complete this level, you can do that really easily and really messily.
0: Which is what I did, to be honest. (laughs) um, I got a zero out of five uh, (laughs) assassin rating at the end of the
3: level, so yeah. But I think the Hitman games have always had that to an extent, um, where, you know, to brute force it, that's not a difficult thing to do. If you want the five, you know, the perfect... I, it's it's not a rating anymore. It's like a number of points you get and stuff. If, if if you want the the perfect score, yeah, you need you need a bit more finesse and stuff. And that is genuinely challenging in this level, I think. And the other thing is, you can
0: change a lot of those uh, settings that make it easier for you. Switch mm. off instinct mode and all yeah. that sort of stuff in in the settings. And the game actually does goes out of its way to tell you that you can turn all mm. of this stuff off, which is good. Um, so players will appreciate that. Um, I, part of me wondered if, like, maybe IO made the exact Hitman game that people wanted, but yeah. they maybe the people who wanted it maybe wanted something more, and like yeah. this wasn't quite enough. That's um, what they've done. Uh, yeah.
2: they've, you like Blood Money. You were crying out for Blood Money when Absolution came out. Here's Blood Money, and then a lot of people are like
1: oh, that's kind of a bit like Blood Money.
0: Yeah, it's like well, yeah, you uh, definitely think, ask yeah. for that though.
1: Yeah, it's, it's because um, Ground Zeroes and Metal Gear Solid Five have, uh, have been released since oh, Blood Money, and that, I think that's. Push this that same genre yeah. onwards so so much. That, that is a, mm. a better stealth game, I think. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's
3: a better stealth game. Although the Hitman, like, it's never been about sneaking around. No, it, they are different thing, games. It? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's an about... unhelpful
2: comparison in a lot of ways. But I think the the breadth of the of your toolkit in Metal yeah. Gear uh, has spoiled us with these types of games. What I
0: will say is that that
2: this morning when um, I was
0: chatting to you guys about it, we all came in with different stories. Like Hitman Mm -hmm. still has the ability to create that which Mm -hmm. uh, I think is really important because there's still not really many games like it where you can say, you know, where where there's enough happening, happening in terms of systems for anecdotes to be generated and while all that stuff might be scripted or fixed. Um, there is a hell of a lot of them, and, and figuring yeah. it all out is like unlocking a puzzle in itself. And, and it's uh, got a bit of
2: a, a sense of humour as well. Like there's, okay. there's a way to orchestrate certain events. I won't say how, for spoiler reasons, but there's a way to orchestrate things in the Paris level so that you can push one of the targets off a balcony onto the top on on top so they fall on top of the other target. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so you kill both of them in one hit. You don't get a full rank for it, though, because the bodies are spotted, obviously, mm. to to get the full five stars or whatever. That's the Hitman symbol, isn't it? Yeah. Five Hitmans. <laughs> <laughs> can, yeah, you've got five got to, uh, Hitmans. Yeah, you've got to keep the bodies hidden. Um, mm. But yeah, the people, have, there's already videos on YouTube of people getting Santa Assassin without ever changing their costume, which is the, that's the ultimate kind mm. of achievement in a Hitman game, isn't it? suit so, so only silent assassin type I, I find it
0: overwhelming when i arrived in that paris level just yeah. the size of it and the amount going on yeah, and like it's crazy watching that victor novikov guy walk through like the backstage of the catwalk because it's like a fashion show and like um and just seeing him talk to everyone i thought when am i ever going to get him by himself to <laughs> yeah. to do this and i didn't i just found a corridor with less npcs in it got out my pistol and
2: just shot five times <laughs> yeah. and then uh, killed everyone in the corridor then walked out and uh yeah see it was yeah messy. You, i guess you can do that and sort of fudge away for it but the satisfaction like Phil said is doing it silently but violently yeah I do
3: wonder to an extent if the level's almost too big um, not because like it's great in terms of well we need lots of things to do because we've got a long time until well, a month until the next one but um, in terms of like it, certainly in the classic hitman structure each level is kind of this machine of moving parts the way the NPCs in- interact and how they move and what they do and I think in the new Hitman that kind of breaks down at times and I don't know why, I think part of it might be if you reload that might knock some things out because I've noticed that things won't happen consistently always so there's a particular opportunity where you can engineer a meeting between one of the targets and someone else and then after that meeting he just has a little quiet moment of celebration to himself which is when you do a murder Um, so I engineered that at one point after killing someone else knowing that it was a reliable way I'd killed the first target I thought okay well this is a reliable way to get the second target out and you know do it silently and professionally uh, so I entered the meeting there was a lot of waiting around while the incidental dialogue played and then he just didn't do it because a bodyguard wasn't following him to stand in the exact places he needed to do and I have no idea why that bodyguard wasn't there
0: I, I um, interesting I, 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 I sort of like the idea that you can't always predict what's going to happen but like um or that if you remove certain elements from the game, then things might happen differently. But admittedly, if that's beyond your control, then that would yeah, be quite like frustrating. Yeah,
3: if like, if I'd removed that bodyguard from the equation, that would be an interesting consequence of that. But I don't know what happened to him or where he went. And and it's, it's strange, because, like, you can think, okay, well, you, you, some things will happen beyond your control. Like, in a realistic simulation, you'd accept that. But I don't know. Hitman to me has never been that. It's never been about the realism because, you know, the NPCs aren't realistic. They've always been strangely shonky, yeah, weird, and they robotic figures. And they yeah, still are. Like <laughs> In one of the training levels, I just threw a coin at their face, uh, with one of their faces, and it bounced off, landed somewhere, and he went to the point where it landed because <laughs> a coin had landed, and he had to check that out. I was like, <clears throat> come on,
0: guy. It's, I've also got a thing with the, um, those. Uh, there's like a white dot that appears over guards who uh, will suss you out if you're in costume. Mm. which is a solution to an old hitman problem of why did that guy know who i was even mm. though i was stressed this way um but i found the ai there a little bit lacking like there's a there's a third the third floor of the uh, the mansion which is where the second target is there's someone stood at the only well probably not the only but the main stairwell to get to where you need to be mm. um, and i couldn't work out how to kill them without being caught so i just ran past them and someone went, hey you hey you come back Walked out, went in a room, crouched behind like a, a shelf or something, and he like gave up after about thirty seconds and walked back again. I thought, what was the point of that then? Like he should have gone, hey, whoa, 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 stop, or mm. something like that. Wonder well, like, if the f- uh, well, yeah, different it,
2: levels of persistence because sometimes they follow you for ages until you turn around. They
3: have different states depending on who you are at the <clears throat> time and stuff. Like, so I've um, I've taken some disguises and walked into a place and they've tried to arrest me immediately because I'm definitely not someone who should be there. Where I've had other ones who also shouldn't be there, but. I guess because of my status or the status of the person I'm disguised as, they actually just come up to me, say, "You're not supposed to be here," and they actually escort me out. And a different icon comes Uh. over them, say, which sort of conveys that you need to follow this person out. And if you do, you're fine. They just Mm. let you go. Um, So there might be something like that, uh, like working on if they if you you sort of run past and they can't find you, they might just think it's probably not that important.
2: That's a, cool, that's a nice layer of extra uh,
3: it, it's, depth. It's weird because like the, the whole point of the dot is to expose, like you say, the classic Hitman problem and it exposes it sort of by just reassuring you. Like You can turn all those UI elements off, but I think the important thing IO needed players to know was, yes there is a reason for this, and yes there is an internal consistency here. Because internal consistency is a very part of how the community enjoys replaying those levels and knowing what you can do. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. There are also other instances where maybe there is internal logic behind it, but we still don't really know, and there's yes. nothing kind of saying that there is. So it's hard to work out whether that's just emerging, you know, whether that's good AI, and them actually having a logical reason for doing what they're doing, or whether that's just yeah,
0: Yeah, it's that weird thing where I knew what NPCs' disguise I needed to get past those guys, but I was just too lazy, because mm. it was like... Half midnight, and I thought I want to get this finished before I go to bed. (laughs) Um, So I, yeah, I just ran past and it wasn't caught. And I thought, like, oh, if if they just made me do that, then I probably would have gone to do it. And like, uh, maybe yeah, a little bit more suggestion about how they work would be good. Having said that, though, I actually really like the little guides and stuff because that level is so big that if I didn't have instinct mode to know where the targets are, I just find that such a pain in the ass to try and figure out. And Mm. like, uh, I don't know if that's because I've got less time now, but yeah, that's
2: it. It's good for it's a time saving. Benefit for people that don't have, you know, some people don't have anything to do during the day, so they can just sit and learn the level. Whereas if you're a bit more time starved, then yeah, I don't think there's a problem with it. It's optional, so there's no yeah. issue with its existence, I don't think. I think there's a problem with it. I, like, I would recommend <clears throat> if you want a really good Hitman experience, like go
3: into the menu for, for your first playthrough at least, just go into the menu and disable opportunities because they do lead you, really lead you step by step through what to do to get some of the coolest things. Yeah, I agree with that. But there's also, I mean, there's a separate menu, separate to opportunities called Intel where a lot of the information that you'd get from just following the opportunities step-by-step is presented to you, and you can sort of work it out yourself by flicking through that. Yeah, like they'll say one character's favourite drink or whatever. Yeah, yeah, or you overheard this conversation, maybe this is a thing you can follow up. And it's really satisfying to go through and just, like, one of the best parts of Blood Money was sort of standing in a space because you were allowed to be there and nobody gave you a second glance because you were you were just allowed to observe and look around and really gather information and that they've really got that here which is really nice so it's quite nice like especially on your first things just see what happens see what you can figure out and see what you can do I think that there comes a point where you're like oh no okay I actually want to see what the outer limits of this are what the what the really extreme options are and like Opportunities are really good for that. Whether you want to play it with minimal, which gives you a couple of hints, or full, which is literally just go here, do this, pick this up. Now you can kill a person.
0: Interesting. I suppose the key thing is then. Do you do you guys think it's worth the eleven ninety nine now as it is? I'd say so. Uh,
2: it's, it's a big. There's the o- online component as well, where people can make contracts, so they can take the level and go right. You need to kill. They set a target. You need to kill them wearing this disguise or with this weapon. And there's like there's already quite a lot of them on there. So there's replay- replayability there. You can obviously filter between featured ones so you're not playing through rubbish ones that someone hasn't mm. tested properly or whatever. Um, so that, plus the they're going to be adding like online missions, there's a thing called Elusive, elusive target. Targets. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, the one-off
0: like... target thing, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, so I think uh, for, for that money, I think that's... And plus you get two prologue levels, so it's two small levels and one mega massive level. That's pretty good.
0: Two prologue levels where there's still quite a lot of uh, you Mm. know alternatives to killing the targets, which is cool. Mm. But um, yeah, I I suppose we'll only know with time whether it's worth the full forty pounds to charging for the uh, season pass. Yeah,
3: I think like if you're unsure, if like if you like the sound of Hitman or the old Hitman's, or even if you enjoyed Absolution and want to see okay, well how do those systems sort of fit into an old Hitman? It's Worth, it's probably worth it just to sort of see what kind of thing they're doing this yeah. year uh, it's, it's a nice way to sort of dip your toe in before, before you'd like say okay well I'm going to sign on to this year long or however long it is episode, episodic release thing yeah for sure, that environment's amazing as well what I will say is it's really annoying how they've done their online connectivity thing uh, this time around it's squaring, it's continuing their, their habit of being just really inconvenient they started with Just Cause 3 which would frequently boot you out and make you go through a number of menus to get into offline mode. Here, if <laughs> you lose connection, which happened to me last night because Steam was going through some maintenance or something, it just kicks you out to the menu. There's no option mm-hmm. to keep playing in that level or whatever. It's like, hey, you're offline, go back to the and menu. there's
2: separate saves as well, so if you save the game when saves. you're offline, that's one set of saves. Mm-hmm. If you save when you're online, that's another oh, set of what? saves. Oh, what? Okay, and, forget yeah. it. It's not worth the money. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is Bullshit. Yeah. I have, I have I no connection issues. You know, Devil's Advocate has worked fine for me Yeah. so far. Same so. here.
0: Actually, actually, I was playing in offline mode yesterday, and I think it's because Steam booted me out but while I was in the menu. So, yeah, uh, mm. yeah that is a problem. Hopefully they'll address that. Hopefully, one. Yeah. It's
2: actually, with the f- we should mention for anyone who's interested, that's the first one of the first games I've played that uses DirectX 12. And I've not seen any visual difference, but my frame rate is way better when I enable DirectX 12. Huh. Yeah, I get um,
3: slightly better performance with DirectX 12, yeah. which I think is literally the point of, of that update. Because um, it uses of 12, your GPU more efficiently, doesn't yeah. it? It's a new architecture. The only problem is uh, DirectX 12 doesn't support, uh, like, they've released an update um, to Steam that lets the Steam overlay support um, Direct X 12 games like Hitman. But it doesn't work with Fraps, so I can't take screenshots when uh, I've got DirectX well, 12. Well, Fraps but. hasn't
2: been updated since 2013, That's so true. might have to move to Bandicam. Oh. Had a
1: few a uh, crashes on the X12 actually, so I think uh, there might still mm. be Yeah, switches, it's worth but... testing
2: and having a look at. But oh.
3: like, there's, um, yeah. yeah, like I've noticed. Um, I think we're talking about. I think we've got a question about graphics cards later. But on my GTX 970, it can struggle if you go a bit too. If you if you try to be a bit ambitious with the settings. Especially in big crowds, the frame rate can really struggle at times.
2: Yeah, see, I, I was getting that issue with when it was on DirectX 11, and when I put 12 on it, I've got a GT X 970 as well, um, with like a first gen i7 and like 16 gig of RAM, and I was getting a pretty good. That's good. Pr- like, pretty solid 60, actually. Apart from when you're in like the fashion show bit, mm. where it dips to like 45. But I, I was quite impressed with the performance. But for some reason, on my particular. Right, DirectX 12 did make a big difference. So if anyone's having a low frame rate, maybe try that. And if you, isn't you haven't, a journalists journalist who has to use fraps. Yeah. Just, just
0: it a go. Okay, good stuff. Uh, all right then. Well, I have a 780, and it told me that I couldn't have texture detail on high. So <laughs> my days are numbered. <laughs> Time for a new graphics card. Okay, cool. So we're also going to talk a bit, a little bit about Statue Valley, Phil, which I, I think, guess you've yeah, been playing. Yeah, I'm taking that one, and um, it's sold over 425,000 copies. Um, and we were the first to review it because of my ability to spot pop culture phenomena on the horizon <laughs> coming a mile off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and uh, it's just for a humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> it's not um, even humble, it's literally just a brag. Sound. <laughs> Uh, it's gone from strength to strength, hasn't it? And it's got a huge community around it. Every, yeah. every games journalist we know seems to be playing it.
1: There's um, such a gaping hole where that it's filled. Like that that you know gardening, uh, lovely kind of work mm. on your on your world, that Animal Crossing... Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon style thing. Yeah. There, yeah. there just isn't a PC game like that. It's, a Nintendo.
2: it's a Nintendo thing traditionally, right? And uh, this is yeah. apparently built... Yeah. In- I've only put it for three minutes because I looked at it and went, this is too big. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so I just went. I was daunted by the scale and scope of it, and just went. I'll come back to this when the, when the division and Hitman aren't out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, someone someone uh,
0: put on Twitter that they uh, that they had to start a new farm because their last one went wrong, and I thought, is it like an XCOM two campaign? <laughs> <Like, Yeah. laughs> did the cows just close in or something? Like, uh, I don't know. What's it all about then, Phil? As as someone who uh, doesn't understand
3: uh, it's, these things, it's a thoroughly nice twee farming game where. You move. You get uh, bored of your
2: tedious. Oh yeah, the intro is great, isn't it? Where he sat in his office cubicle, life. like yeah, drained of all his soul, and then he gets a letter, and it's you like get, in no way is that familiar. <laughs> uh,
3: so you move to a small community and take over your grandfather's farm, um, and everyone there is nice and pleasant. And you, you potter around and you do farming things and then later you do a bit of fishing and there's a little bit of, bit of adventure. It's you kind can of the opposite the of the
2: division. There's no sort of piles of dead bodies
1: rotting in there. No, there's, there's, there's there. almost
3: <laughs> no kind of strife or problems. Uh, like the, the corporation you used to work for has moved in, so there's a little tension between them and the community centre. It's like, oh, are brilliant. we going oh, <laughs> to sell it off to the corporate overlords or are we going to... Are we gonna fix it up and really embrace the community spirit? And apparently, you play quite a big part in that. But can you marry people in it as well? You can marry people in it, and it's. And to be honest, I don't know why I like it. I should. I should hate it. It's so twee and nice. <laughs> and I like. For a minute, I thought there was going to be a little frisson of like darkness and tension there when I was walking through the little town at night and the homeless guy was rooting through some bins. Not technically homeless, he has a tent on the edge of town. But he's like this little local wild man, was rooting through the bins. And, and then you beat him to death. The, the barman sort of caught him running through his bins, and I was like, "Oh, what's going to happen here?" And he was like, "Oh, I don't want anyone to go hungry. Here, have some of my free food." It was like, "Oh, this is just this is too saccharine for my taste." <laughs> Come inside. We'll get you some special brew. And oh. <laughs> so a lot of what you do as well is you plant crops and you water your plants and you wait and you you dig them up and sell them off and it's like this i hate crafting i hate crafting in almost any game that has crafting in and farming is just crafting for food and for some reason i'm doing it and getting really sucked into it
1: i think with the, it is it is like, it is like crafting but i think when it affects the terrain it ticks it it taps to a different Kind of urge that dungeon keeper thing of building mm. a beautiful piece of space that uh, you know you've crafted yourself and is really efficient. That uh, even like base building in Supreme Commander with the lovely adjacency bonuses and stuff, I think it's, it's on a similar kind of plane to that stuff, but with in, in a different guise. I'm
3: a, I'm a long way off efficiency, I'm still just messing about with parsnips. I've, I've just broken into the kale market. I think I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna gentrify this place up, I'm, nice. gonna, <laughs> rinse yeah. these I'm gonna take everything, everything, you, got. everything yeah.
2: you've learned about living in Bath, and are it to it. When you arrive at your farm, it's a dump, isn't it? The oh, yeah, the yeah. land is covered in rocks and trees, so they, that's what kind of put me off. I went, I've got to get my hatchet out and my scythe and cut all this yeah, down and, there's and there's clear the land. There's like I can't. and
3: you only yes, have no. so much energy to get you through the day, and you've got a week to replenish it if you want to. Yeah. If you want to clear out or cut or do anything, you know, use your pickaxe or your racks or anything. And is
2: there like um, I think there's Animal Crossing style seasons, isn't there? So you'll see winters coming in and. Uh, I remember in, in Harvest Moon on the SNES, which I played for hundreds of hours back in the olden times. Uh, the winter coming would be a real mm. like challenge because you would grow way less and your margins <laughs> yeah, would suffer. The, the, and the Harvest
0: Moon was hard as well. Like, yeah, uh, and this, I don't know if this is too, but my farms were always in like terrible debt. Yeah, like I assume a uh, you know <laughs>
2: British farms are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like it's because uh, you yeah. have your character had embraced mechanization. Of uh, farming, is that why? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, because oh yeah, of course. Yeah, like you know, everyone else has got um, you know combine harvesters, and you're walking about with a chisel and <laughs> hammer. <laughs> I, I always <laughs> yeah. heard, so I heard
0: this in a podcast the other day that the um the in harvest moon, if you're like one of your cows died, you'd have a little funeral for it. There'd be a priest there and stuff. And like uh, I don't know if that happens at Stardew Valley, but I't do know nice. if that
3: happens there are there are seasons, and yeah different crops will grow at different times of year and stuff there's also like events like there's a calendar that you can look at um, I'm still I'm not out of the first month yet because you know each day is a decent amount of time you get quite a bit of stuff done but um so, so you, the villagers' birthdays are marked on there, and little festivals. Like the next thing I've got to do is the egg festival, which everyone gathers around town, and <laughs> there's a bunny suit. It's a very not a lot happens in that no. town, does it? No, they haven't got no they HMV don't. there. Egg <laughs> fest,
2: there's No yeah. HBO or no <laughs> M- turnip <Master> fest. <laughs> Sausage fest. Um,
0: the thing I um, thing I liked about Animal Crossing is it did have that level of darkness, and uh, I quite like that. You could hit animals with a bug net and essentially like drive them out of town uh, yeah. because you're a sociopath like me. Yeah. Um, and so it's got no element of that at all. Like uh, not
3: really. That I've seen, everyone just seems very happy and cheerful. Yeah, it doesn't look as funny oh, as Animal
2: Crossing. Like, yeah, I, the I writing mean, I've seen. Really
3: love the version of this that was set in like Silent Hill. <laughs> <laughs> You, uh, you're a farmer in some hellish deathscape.
2: <laughs> things are coming for you in you the You could do a post apocalyptic farming one where you're trying to make a life out of the dead earth yeah. and irradiated <laughs> earth. And instead of it's basically Fallout 4, isn't it? Adventures you've got. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: Like <laughs> the, the, the zombie corpses of your friends tied to posts. And I, to be honest, it's got mod support, so this could still happen. Yeah,
0: yeah it's not out of the question. People
2: have already. There's tons of mods to replace your um, dog with various creatures, isn't there? Like the mm. dog out of Undertale. Is it a dog? Yeah. There's some yeah. creature in Undertale, and that someone's modded that into. Yeah. So there's gonna be a lot of that mm. shenanigans. On the plus side, one guy made this, so he's uh, he's now enormously rich. Yeah, like
3: not one guy, more so in the, in the sense that you usually mean when you say one guy made this. Like he did all the
2: sound as yeah, well. Yeah, that's and crazy. Music, music and pixel art, pic- coding. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, he made the whole game himself, like Hideo Kojima does. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even put his... Uh, I bet he didn't even put his name on it. It's yeah. Many yeah. Times <laughs> the start of every day. Starring <laughs> Cow. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Punished Cow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Amazing. Cool, alright, so the final game we're going to talk about today, uh, in this section at least, is Devil Daggers, which I don't know what that is Tom, but you've been playing it and it right. seems to
1: be a success on Steam, so it is. what's Fan- it all about? It's a fantastic, it's basically a first person Twitch score attack shooter uh, set in uh, a circle of hell, which is a dimly lit circle. And uh, you, you, start, you start the game by seizing the devil dagger, which is floating in front of you. And this gives you the power to shoot an endless stream of knives out of your hand. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, that bit from the uh, Dante's Inferno. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and as soon as you take the, the dagger, uh, these kind of floating egg sacs start spawning. And then uh, every few seconds they vomit about a dozen skull floating skulls into the air. And they start sweeping the arena after you. And then another one will appear and they'll start vomiting kind of more skulls into the arena. Uh, And you're there like uh, thrusting your palm at them, just kind of knifing, knifing as many as you can Hmm. and backpedaling and jumping and desperately trying to stay out of the way. And it's absolutely horrifying. It's an amazing horror game. Like it's it's nightmarish in the very true sense of the word. Is it kind of like a shmup, but 3D It's waves of things coming at you? Yeah, it's a 3D shmup. It's 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 very arcadey. Like it's it's a very arcade setup delivered in a, a, a really, really effective kind of horror Style uh, that is is just it's I find it hard to play for too long, but I can't stop playing it. So it's it's compulsive, but I'm also repulsed by it at the same time, which is a a beautiful relationship to have with a video game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it, but it's it's truly brilliant. Uh, there's the movement, sense of movement, and the the sense of you know power that you have as you're shooting things is just uh, is really addictive in and of itself. But then there's the the leaderboard aspect of it, where you know everyone's competing to survive for the longest time, and it, you know it's it's really hard to survive for even a minute in in, in the that in that ring, uh, and then you see YouTube videos of people who've made it for ten minutes, and you're watching them, it's just they they have just godlike ability to control the space around them, which is that f- filled completely with monsters, just grotesque, horrible tentacled things sailing over their heads, and you know a, a, Big giant skulls, like they come in to try and they they home in on you and bite your head off and stuff like this, and it's uh, it's really, really bloody good.
0: Isn't there? A, is there also like a leaderboard element to it as well? Was that?
1: There is, yeah, yeah. yeah so the, the leaderboards are global, and also you can compare your um, compare yourself with your friends as well.
3: Guess who, out of our social circle, is at the top of the Devil Daggers leaderboard?
1: Is it PC gamer's
3: Chris Thurston? <laughs> PC gamer pros Chris Thurston. Huh? Yes. Earning, earning his job title there. And what how, is it at
1: the top of what the global leaderboard?
2: Not the global leaderboard, <coughs>
3: but uh, Tom's leaderboard. leaderboard. Of probably all <laughs> yeah. of our social leaderboards. Think, yeah. I've children. actually
1: been playing it on the uh, the, the old press account, uh, the, uh, the Game press account. So uh, maybe maybe I actually, I'll, I'll actually put it on my main account and start competing. Yeah, properly. I think you I think. Check I think, you I think uh, Chris has broken two minutes, which is pretty hardcore because it's, mm. it's really really difficult, and it's one of the things I love about it.
3: The um, one of the other things that's amazing, you're right, the movement is great, um, especially when you realise that the arena you're on actually has edges and you can fall off, mm. you're like, oh, no. <laughs> that's another thing to contend with. That's a, that, that stops my endless strafing plan. The sound design is amazing mm. as well. Um, yeah, true. not Not just in terms of <coughs> these really kind of like dark, eerie, synthetic noises, but in what they represent, Like you can tell based on like the positioning and type of enemy that is coming for you based on the noise there. And I've not quite got good enough to be able to translate that into what I should do to not die, but I'm
1: sure learning that is (coughs) probably a key to success. It's definitely worth playing it with headphones Mm. because it it gives you a material advantage because, like, those laughing skulls that bite your head off, like, you can hear them laughing from a mile off and you can pinpoint them behind you because the directional sound is really, really good in the game. Oh, wow. And it's also this kind of... It sounds awful, like, I mean, in, in the sense that it's just grates against your nerves in a, in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre style, you know, they've just found certain tones and certain clashes of, uh, of sound that really unsettle you. And it just gets worse and worse as the arena becomes more and more crowded. Uh, and it's, 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 I've, uh, it's just, I get cold and clammy after <laughs> a session playing Devil <laughs> Dangers, uh, in a kind of slightly <laughs> gross way. But in a way that, uh, you know, a few games really affect me to the, in the, that intensely. Uh, so I think it's amazing is it's it, only four quid as well
0: is it early access or is it uh, it's out no, now it's I out think it
1: was in green lights but now it's just fully out it's, and it's cost four pounds and it's definitely I'm going to buy this game yeah <laughs> yeah you should it's good this. Hmm. It's a recommendation four, four quid great. that's, that's uh, <clears throat> in the sweet spot for sure okay. yeah Yeah.
3: And, yeah, especially after something like Stardew Valley it's nice to be able to go to a game that actively <laughs> hates you and wants you to fail
0: <laughs> yeah Oh well, there you go. We've really taken started Valley to task on, it, <laughs> on its optimism. <laughs> yeah. That'll learn them. <laughs> it doesn't seem like such a good idea now, does it, to take <laughs> pessimism out of your, your game world? Um, good stuff. All right. Well, that's all the games we we're going to talk about. But Andy, I just realised that you've played No Man's Sky. Maybe like a couple of couple oh, yeah. of lines oh, on yeah.
2: that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that thing. Um, obviously, you can read the full story in PC Gamer magazine. Just now, out now, yes.
3: Nice. yes,
2: yes, yes. out now in the UK, um, and then a little bit <clears> later in the US. Yeah, I played it for 40 minutes at Hello Games' studio. I say studio. It's just a room. Behind a garage. Behind a garage. Well, it's two rooms. It's, it's actually quite nice, but it's just really like you go, how how are, how are there 18 quintillion planets in that little shack in Guildford? <laughs> it's quite amazing. Um, played 40 minutes of it. Uh, started on an icy planet, which looked kind of like a Scandinavian forest. Ran about for a bit. Saw some dinosaurs in that. Met an alien. I tried to communicate with it, failed the alien zapped me with some sort of zapper, I ran away and got on my ship and flew out into space and went right, I'll just pick a planet and Sean Murray, lead man, the lead man I think that's his job title, lead man Sean Murray, was um, sitting next to me and I could see, sense trepidation as I headed towards the planet I randomly picked and because my ship was really low level it was a long flight, it was like five minutes of just flying forwards because the distances are realistic-ish. Um, and I got there, and the planet I picked what was called what was called Fleck. Um, Sweet. I didn't rename it, actually. I didn't get the chance. I'm like, I don't know if I could have, um, but Fleck is a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have picked uh, I picked the exact opposite of the planets you saw E3 and stuff, these lavish, colourful covers of a seventy sci-fi novel. Places
0: was it you who said like a rat ball bag lived there? Was no, you? the
2: the other there's another journalist at the at, at the event and she found a creature like a walking ball bag. Oh, okay. and she found a really nice, picturesque planet. But I kind of like that my planet was more was an accurate representation of what it would be like to play that game. Those lavish M class planets, if you want to use a Star Trekism, are um, rare, relatively rare. Like you won't be finding them all the time. Mm. The idea is that when you find one of them, it's like wow well, that's a discovery a lot of the time you just land on places like fleck which was just a toxic soup it was like green mist everywhere and a but sort of like through the green mist i could see like really cool rock formations and weird little creatures running about and i found, a that, found an underground cave network and it was it was still cool but it was not sounds a lot like the future officers. <laughs> yeah it was slightly less unpleasant less <laughs> than, than the future offices um but yeah, so, you know, Fleck was not a nice planet, but it's it was my planet. I found it. No one else would ever see Fleck, uh, especially since Sean Murray will probably going to delete it out of the game now because <laughs> he's sitting there going, oh, of all the planets she could have picked. And I, I remember saying to him, like, whenever you start, when all of us start No Man's Sky and everyone listening starts the game, you start on a random planet, completely randomised. And I went, what if a player starts on Fleck and the first experience of the game is just a misty, toxic poisonous hellhole and he sort of sat back and sort of went yeah (laughs) and I I just didn't we're delaying the game by six months (laughs) (laughs) I didn't press him Uh, he didn't go yes and he just realized as if he'd went yeah this has been on my mind and he he'd had two hours sleep he was a dead man walking he was very tired yeah um he he was up all night trying to get the build ready for Mm -hmm. us to play they're really yeah they're really passionate dedicated bunch of Mad geniuses, yeah, but they'll be that will be rich
0: as hell in about three months. So you know, I'm yeah. sure they'll be all right. The two but, hour sleep thing will seem fine in the <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> through the the mist of millions of dollars.
2: But yeah, it, I thought I thought it was brilliant. As if, but again, if anyone was, if you were to feed into a supercomputer a game Andy likes, it would spit that out. It's, it takes all my ludicrous boxes. <laughs> so
0: I don't. Know, it doesn't have Blade Runner in it, or, yeah. uh, you know, or oh, I suppose it's got a bit of. Uh, yeah, I suppose it does. Twin yeah. Peaks isn't in there though, Andy. Yeah, no. that's another thing you like.
2: But yeah, there's there's a lot of my. It's 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 very it's like it has the feel of like seventy sci-fi, and not just in the art, which is inspired by Chris Foss, the great seventy sci-fi artist. But the, just the feel of it it has the feel and the the tone it has a two thousand and one esque feel about it in places, and it's just got that sense of like um, that sci-fi that makes you feel like. Fills you with wonder, you know. It's got a very Arthur C. Clarke esque feel to it, where you're like, I, I'm, I'm in, I'm in awe of this place. I want to explore and I want to find cool ass alien stuff. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah. Ah, good stuff. I met Chris Foss once. Uh, had no um, idea
2: he was. Then uh, afterwards realized what a legend he was, yeah, and uh, well.
0: felt disappointed in myself. Uh, okay, great. I stuff. wouldn't recognise <laughs> him. I, I, you
2: know, I'm a fan of his, and I don't know what he looks like. So
3: <laughs> that's how so many of your anecdotes go.
2: To <laughs> he
0: told me about how like um, his art was inspired by uh, the branch lines that were near his house when he lived in the countryside, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's all I can all I can remember right now. But uh, <laughs> okay, cool. After this break, then we'll be back with some reader questions. Okay, welcome back. So we're going to do some reader questions now. I just put out a tweet on PC Gamer's Twitter account, at PC Gamer, asking you for some questions for this relaunch podcast, and you responded with about 75% good ones. So uh, great stuff. That's good percentage. That's not bad, it's not bad.
3: But if you're part of the twenty five percent, just just really have a long think about what you've done. We should. We should thanks, ex- but No thanks. Yeah, we should also explain uh, that Tom's Tom's had to leave.
0: Yes, Tom Senior, who was here, had to leave. He has to go to a a meeting, <laughs> which uh, is fascinating information yeah. for for you. <laughs> okay, cool. So starting with this question from Noble Sir X. Um, yeah, don't know, you know? Unfortunate name, really. But you know, uh, do you think Valve is working on a new game, or do you think they're not making games anymore? Which is a good question. Um, I personally think they're focused on making VR experiences right now and that uh, if if there ever was a Half-Life sequel in development which I think we all heard that at some point or another it was in various stages yeah. or a Left 4 Dead 3 right now their priority is creating
2: sort of like interesting one-offs for the Vive. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think? A lot of people now no longer care about half-life 3 and it's become sort of popular to go ah oh, who cares anymore but i've never stopped caring since the end of episode 2 i want you know i was really invested in that story i love that universe and i want my damn resolution <laughs> i've written about this in the magazine before as well um so it's kind of anno- it's annoyed me that i not- i like that valve are now becoming you know a company with a broader scope, a Google, a Microsoft, whatever, VR and, and all that sort of stuff, but it annoys me as well, because they're like, they've sort of grown out of making first person shooters, but that, yeah. that annoys me. There's
0: not it's not really, uh, the stuff they're doing now I'm sort of like a bit interested in, but not on, it's, not, it's not as much in
2: it for me as there are for these other people they're targeting. Yeah. Like, you know, Dota and Counter-Strike, I mean, they're they like one of the, the top companies with regards to competitive gaming and eSports and stuff, I can see why being an, at the forefront of VR and eSports, these two massively new things that are you know taking the world by storm, going, right, let's make a first-person shooter again. It feels about... Yeah. I can see why they the maybe stopped or put it on hold because it feels about going backwards cause that's what they started doing, wasn't it? Making first-person shooters and now they're making technology and yeah, yeah. bringing the PC into people's living rooms and all that. Yeah,
3: 100% so. convinced that they have stopped. The, uh, I think the problem isn't so much that they're not making games, I think it's that they don't need to ever make a game again uh, to keep keep the money rolling in, which just yeah. means like, if you come to a difficult problem in what is probably a very difficult and anticipated release to make, something like Half-Life 3, you come to something that you don't have like a great solution for or a great idea for just yet, You can just go away and do something else for six months and just think about (laughs) it. I bet
2: that's what they've been doing. Because wasn't there a quote from Gabe where he went, "We'll make a Half-Life three when it feels right to make one, or like when we've got an idea." I said there was something he said that implied that yeah, we could do one, but we're just waiting for. I like a That's a, a, re, a, re, a reason to, or yeah. I like the idea like that it's like one Valve employee is
3: really hyped for Half Life 3, and he's there in the Half Life 3 <laughs> yeah. room every day trying to make it. And then sometimes a few people will come along, they'll wheel their desks in, going, Yeah, where are we with this? And <laughs> yeah. And then they just wander off somewhere else, and it's like, Oh. What
2: There's concept art for it, I mean, that was released years and years ago of um, sort of those Combine advisors floating around in a, in a glacier. So they're obviously, and people have pieced together what they're going to do story-wise, which is head out to the the Arctic or wherever that, the Borealis, the Borealis is, and, yeah. and all that. So there is, like, a people know where the story's going, but I guess with each Half-Life has pioneered a certain thing. Mm. Half-Life 1 pioneered a new type of storytelling, as in all happening through your eyes. Half-Life 2 pioneered physics, and I guess that was its big thing, wasn't it, physics? And it was the first game I Half-Life that I remember to have, like, properly... Good physics, and so maybe they're just waiting on three to have a new, to be the vanguard of a new thing. Yeah, Yeah.
3: yeah. some people think VR is that thing, but I don't think that VR lends itself to that sort of long form narrative thing. Like it's um, telling that that, like Valve has announced this, what's it called, the Lab? This kind of aperture themed um, suite of VR experiences, like like the Wii Sports of the Vive.
2: That that's the best. As someone who's used VR a lot, and I think I've written about this many times in the mag, where long-form games yeah. are not fun in VR. What's fun is little five-minute experiences and little mini-games and experiments. And so yeah, the fact that they're working on that stuff doesn't surprise me. But set like, I've played Half Life Two in uh, VR, it was a bloody nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you feel sick. <laughs> you look down and there's no legs. It's very confusing. But just like sitting and playing a Half Life game is going to be a ten-hour. Or whatever campaign we sit down and go for a story, no one's gonna sit with a headset on for that amount of time, so
3: hmm.
0: oh, that's interesting.
2: Might not throw up in a bit, yeah.
0: I, I, I hope they are. I would say, um, didn't Mark Laylor retire recently from Valve? and oh, He's yeah. one of the key creatives in the Half Life series, so that's not Good writer, yeah. yeah. He must have
2: written loads of like notes for the story, though. I think I bet he left them with a big fat Half Life 3 folder for yeah. his. Yeah, ideas and
3: break gla- glass in case of development.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: it would be a shame for them to never make it. I mean, it just it just insane, really. Like, uh, you know, even just even if there's not as much to say in terms of first-person shooter design, just
2: to leave the story hanging. Uh, it's sucks. a bit of a dick move, especially after that cliffhanger. You can't make a cliffhanger that gut-wrenching and not.
3: Especially if resolve like Half Life Three wasn't even meant to be the next thing. It was meant to be Episode Three. It was yeah. just meant to be like, oh well, you know, a year's development will give you a short game that'll resolve that story. Yeah, I hope. yeah. Exactly. Well,
2: think of um, Twin Peaks that mm. ended on a gut wrenching, never to be resolved cliffhanger, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, won't say what happened, but ended on a bit where you went, damn, and then it took what. 30 years, <laughs> and they're resolving it next year, so yeah. finally, so we'll be moving for another 20 years. Well, it's only 15 years now then, oh, and then yeah, yeah, we're there. That's alright, that'll pass in no time. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Don't
0: don't ever do cliffhangers. Just, <laughs> just don't do cliffhangers. Okay, cool. So our next question is from uh, the more sensibly named Liam Gale. Um, do you feel with all the bad PC ports being released and bad press that comes with that, companies will stop developing for PC? Um, nah. I, I think some might... Um, I worry that Warner's now just backed off from PC development a little bit Um, they're still making Lego games for PC including the new Star Wars one but Mm -hmm. the fact they didn't bring that DLC to Mortal Kombat and they've sort of of left Batman seemingly now to not be really fixed like I worry they just think it's not worth the effort, so they just being out on consoles.
2: Yeah, they're. I bet they're a spe- uh, special case. There's so much money to be made, and I mean, you're seeing, you're actually seeing the reverse. More games are coming yeah. to PC, including a lot of Xbox stuff, Quantum mm-hmm. Break and Killer Instincts. That's coming to PC. Yeah, yeah. but even things yeah. like um, Dan Gun Romper are. Uh, yeah, know, like, yeah. Uh,
3: Japanese games are really jumping on the. Yeah, there's so much
2: money to be made there. I mean, like all the all the massive YouTube mega stars are playing PC games, and there's people, you know. People are buying gaming PCs um, you know, a lot more than, so I think, yeah, there'll be more games coming out for PC, but maybe some companies have to make in a pig's ear of it like Warner Brothers did, they might. And it'll be interesting to see how much of that
3: is uh, <coughs> a publisher level and how much of that is like, that is with the developers or whatever. Like Microsoft say that part of the reason Quantum Break is coming to PC is because like Remedy have a strong kind of focus there. They kind of know what they're doing. Um, and with 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 Ubisoft, like, it'd be interesting to see if, say, if a shadow of Mordor Two ever happened, whether that would,
0: yeah, um, it's yeah, I, I I don't think it necessarily will. I mean, like, even if with companies like uh, Ubisoft, uh, the the division's are extremely good on PC, and that's part, partly perhaps because Massive um, has a long PC yeah. history, but even like. Uh, the recent Assassin's Creed Syndicate
2: wasn't quite as bad a
0: port as yeah, Unity.
2: Runs quite well actually on yeah, Unity ran like ass on my PC but Syndicate, which we've been playing a bit yeah. of, runs pretty pretty nicely.
0: Yeah, so I, 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 hope, I hope not. Um I just want I want every game to come to PC.
2: Yeah. Um, so I don't
0: have to own any other machine. And also when a game comes to PC you can, you know, in in some way or another play it forever. Yeah. Whereas a mm. console game would just vanish. So if no new Batman games came to PC, I'd find that quite troubling emotionally. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, cool. Um, so, what do you think about early access becoming much more popular, and how does it affect the industry? That's from Mikhail Sternberg. I have no real strong strong feelings on this, or if I did have strong feelings, I got them all out of my system about a year and a half ago. Yeah, I
2: think some, some in some cases, like there are games like The Long Dark that I think have really benefited from early access, and that they've uh, hinterland works really closely with the community, and they've tailored the game to how people play. That's really valuable, and I think that's how it's changed the industry. To go back to the question, as in, like, small teams can make games (coughs) uh, without hiring massive QA teams. They can just give it to people who will play it. But then there's the other side of it, which is when someone who's knocked something up um, that's barely finished or barely half an idea and puts it on as an early access thing, it might never get finished. It's not worth paying for at that stage. You know, it gets abused, like any any service. Yeah, it gets yeah.
3: Not necessarily. It gets it. It falls down in some surprising places, like with Double Fine, and that was it. Um, space, Space DF9. Yeah. Like that being, the community is obviously really disappointed with the, what the finished version of that is. Like, yeah. They basically dropped support and said, ah, they, this, "Yeah, this this is finished now." Yeah.
2: Yeah. It, <laughs> it's like it's all different from developer to developer. Some developers, like Hinterland, do it brilliantly. Um, some people. Like even as big as and experienced as double fine mm. can get it wrong. So it's dangerous new ground that's been tread upon. But yeah, it's it has changed the way PC games are made. Uh, yeah, indie games specifically.
0: The the truth is as well, like you know if you if you're really anti early access, you don't have to buy a game in early mm. access, you can just wait. Um yeah. you know, even like uh, I think Daisy this year is threatening to leave early access, isn't it? Um yeah, then, I, yeah. I wonder if that will ever happen. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, it does happen. It just
3: it could just take a long time. Yeah, I don't think I'm against the, it as a business practice necessarily. <laughs> I'm just kind of bored of playing beaters and half finished things. Like, for me, like the first experience with something is leaves such a strong impression that I would rather wait where possible to see the finished thing. Yeah. But that doesn't mean like I'm like carrying pitchforks and. Mm. Chasing after survival developers just because they want to be in early access for sixteen months. Of job. There are other things to play, and I'll wait until you've you've finished making your game.
0: Yeah, the the only two games I've bought in early access of late have been uh, The Long Dark and Ark. Uh, which I've mm. bought both of in the last year. I've not played Ark yet. Um, I was just—I think I was drunk and I just wanted to fight some dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> we've all been there. <laughs> and uh, and the long dark, Andy, you've just obviously said so many nice things about, and that seems like it uh, at least feels complete in the way it plays um, to yeah. a to a large degree. Well, it's
2: um, polished. I think it's a big thing. A lot of early access stuff feels alpha-ish, has a sort of creakiness around the edges, whereas the long dark has always felt really polished. I think that's a. Under- uh, part of the when you buy it into an early access game, if there's a level of polish early on, it gives you confidence about the final product. Whereas some early access games you play and they're just a janky mess, and you think, will they ever be able to shape this into something, you know, good?
1: Mm. You've you've
3: played a lot and spoken to the developers of the Long Dark. Why are you so tiny in that game? Why are you a tiny person?
2: (laughs) What do you mean, like, height-wise?
3: Like, the scale just seems completely wrong to me. Yeah, I wonder if that's... Maybe it's because I'm over six foot, and it's just jarring. Phil
2: brought this up on the train the other day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He just (laughs) said, why are you so tiny in the I never noticed it. Yeah, I never really thought about it. Maybe it's to make the... um environment seemed more imposing yeah, yeah. Like, and intimidating I, I, was
3: just walk, I was walking along some train tracks in the game i found and it just the scale seemed all wrong and like I don't about, know, i've never really,
2: really low to yeah, that's, that's never really um sure we didn't have yeah. crouch on phil like, well, <laughs> uh, I, I,
3: I literally i was checking i was pressing buttons on my keyboard just yeah, to see if i was crouched down And <laughs> nope,
2: yeah and never i never noticed just, that. i've never seen anyone on the subreddit or anything complaining about it i think it's just because you're a tall human you are, you, are, you are a very tall man. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. it. Oh, I'll, ch- I'll check it out myself as uh,
0: someone who's sort of like, I don't know, about the same height as you, Andy. <laughs> yeah. you know, I think. Okay, great. Um, so uh, this is a bit more of a techie question. Uh, and by that, I mean we're not qualified to answer it. <laughs> um, do they, I assume us, uh, think there is life still in the NVIDIA 9 series? Worth upgrading to a 970 or et cetera, or will a new gen come this year? Um, it's been, it's 2014 when the 9... 9- uh, the nine series Starlight, is that right? I think so. Yeah. Um, so it yeah. They 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 missed out last year essentially. Uh, like we're not that qualified to answer this because uh, we're not really tech experts. But we've all got. Um, we've either got nine nine series or seven series cards. Uh, I have a seven series and our uh, our hardware editor uh, Wes Fenland recommended that I don't upgrade right away. So if you sort of bought a graphics card since like. I'd say 2012, then it's probably worth waiting just to see what comes next. Particularly with um, with VR as well, where a nine seventy is the minimum spec for both the both the Rift and the uh, and the Vive. So
2: I think surely being one step ahead can't hurt for when you've. Uh, but also, when these new ones come out, they're going to be mega pricey, and a nine seventy will be a budget. Yeah, they will to... cut the price. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think for most people with reasonable, norm a normal person's budget, maybe getting a nine seventy when the the next wave comes out. I wonder what they'll do. Do you think they'll do, like, the ten series, GTX 10? Uh, possibly, whatever. yeah. yeah. But, I don't yeah. know if the, 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 the numbers are so meaningless. Yeah. <laughs> they should just give them, like, actual names.
3: Because I think... Well, they did with the Titan, maybe bigger.
2: Yeah, so that's it. They could just give them... Companies. Then it gets really yeah.
0: abstract, and you'll have one called, like, the Gollum. The, the Gollum, the Gollum yeah. or, yeah. Like, you look at any razor. Hydrogen.
2: Yeah, like razor <laughs> Uh, the razor death adder and the black widow, and that yeah, maybe they shouldn't just numbers is fine. Numbers is <laughs> fine. It's yeah, a, it's a piece of plastic with a laser in it. You know? yeah. <laughs> um
0: yeah. Um, so that's as that's as techy as I can get.
3: Yeah, uh. I say, anecdotally, like I've noticed, the the 970 is still kind of a, a, the workhorse of graphics cards at the moment. Like it's a, it's a good choice, but it is starting to slip down yeah. in, in terms of its capabilities, like more and more games are releasing whereas like last year you could reliably say oh I'm going to put everything on Ultra and just cruise along you were like, referring to Tomb Raider Phil like the graphics king Tomb yeah. Raider is a
2: re- Rise of the Tomb Raider is a real Tomb Raider hog. but
3: also like Hitman and Just Cause yeah. and stuff like that there's a point now where if you push every- like I think as we're sort of because graphics technology, graphics card technology, is always sort of coasted alongside console generations to an extent, and now yeah. we now that side of things has gone up one. Like the big AAA games are starting to re- demand more and more from graphics cards, and like that, that's not to say the 970 isn't really good still. It's just hey, maybe your textures are higher, not ultra. Yeah, 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 yeah. maybe it's something you're... we've all got to live with. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. If you're going to up- upgrade pre this new wave. Maybe go for like a nine eighty Ti, which is mm. a lot better than a nine seventy, and will let you play in four K and stuff. You can't do 4K and a four K on a nine seventy like fourteen forty Ps, about as high as it can go. But so if you if you hopefully when these new ones come out, the nine eighty Ti in that range will drop I, in price. because yeah. yeah. they are like six hundred quid now, five between four and six hundred quid.
3: We're close enough to Nvidia releasing that, like the, you know coming up to releasing a new wave that it probably does make sense to wait and just see what the lay of the land is at that yeah. point yeah and whether that means the new tech is good enough that it's worth the price or whether it means well the 9 series goes down in price a bit like either way that is it's going to be a better deal once that happens than it is jumping in now
0: yeah i'm preparing to
3: drop a grand on an epc
0: myself and i've got yes. like a got like an i5 and a, uh i think it's like a six core i5 i think and then yeah with a, with a 780. So it's time for that to, to mm. go, I think, soon enough. Like, um, I, I found like at the end of 2014 I could run games on high 60 frames per second fine. Now I can't. Now yeah. I'm not even allowed to choose high, according to Hitman. <laughs> 7 series is pretty old, long key. the tooth now. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it is, it is oddly heartbreaking when that happens. It's a very specific kind of first world heartbreak <laughs> that, uh, that has no real emotional attachment to it, but uh, yeah, hopefully that helps. Anyway, uh, we've also got uh, I'm sure you're going to anyway, but our personal highlight is the PC Gamer Weekender. Uh, so that's from that's from Gareth uh, Academy. me. I don't. Know he's a long time, long time fan of yeah. PC Gamer and subscriber. Mm, apologies. Yes, apologies. <laughs> yes, I should have asked that before I uh, before I read out the question. Um, yeah, the Weekender was really good. and he didn't go because uh, I th- I thought he didn't fancy it, so I didn't make him go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, me and myself and Phil was there. It was really, really good. It was, no, It was a really good event. The highlight was actually meeting the readers, um, to mm. be honest, like people who knew our work and knew what we were about. And, you know, we had a crowd of about about 40 of them on the Saturday, which was really nice. The Saturday was a
3: really nice turnout. And yeah, we, we, we treated them to some prime cuts of bands. Yes, we did.
0: We <laughs> did. Which is actually one of the things that inspired starting this podcast again because we got a good reception and we we're like, oh, we're actually reasonably charismatic when we team up, aren't we? <laughs> um, so yeah. We
3: have our moments. Um, and the Sunday was really nice it was like a very in, that was a more because the, the, there were slightly slightly fewer people around so it was a more intimate and kind of personal chat about stuff yeah that if we didn't have to run off and play a Vive we could have probably done for hours <laughs> yeah um, but let's not pretend that one of the highlights wasn't going to Byron Berger on
2: the
0: Yes, I've not been to a Byron burger. We don't have those in Bath. Um, but my God, Andy, if you've never tried them,
2: uh, yeah, life changing. I, I, I know this isn't the time of the place, but I've been eyeing up Byron and Bristol for a long time. There's oh, one, yeah, yeah, one in Bristol. Yeah, there's one in Bristol. Is it good? Game changer. Road trip. <laughs> yeah.
0: Is it good? Oh, my God. I don't know what it is they do to the beef. I seem like, injected with LSD or something. Yeah. But, like, my God. Oh, my God. Like, it was. I had a double a double and it was I never normally do that with burgers, but I'm so glad I did because Team outing to Byron and Bristol? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. I had twelve <laughs> ounces of uh, of beef and it was oh my god. And I had no regrets. And like I, it's, it's you know when meat makes you emotional? I had like uh, I could feel like a little tear just sort of like eking out like running down my cheek. Like, like um, What if I a, never have beef this good again? You it know? was
3: it was a very emotional weekend anyway for me, so was, everyone was very tired. Yes, <laughs> that's true. So um, so good meat was really
0: it was nice though. We we had loads of good games there, and like it was like busy the whole weekend. We had um, you know Total War Warhammer there. We had uh, Dark Souls, and like Sega were giving out free Steam keys. I got Crazy Taxi. That was cool. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really nice weekend, and it was like it was full of really sort of engaged people who you know know what PC gaming is about, and yeah, really really nice, it's really yeah, pleasant, really
3: yeah. happy to see an event that that properly kind of doubled down on that focus on yeah. on, on that audience. Um, so, yeah, there's also the uh, is the second part of the question there. Oh, yeah, when's Just, Bannerlord? When's Bannerlord? Which
0: is a reference to a live stream Chris was doing where uh, the people watching were looking out for the uh, Mountain Blade Bannerlord reveal footage, uh, which was an exclusive at the event, uh, which was really cool. But, um, yeah, it didn't happen till like, the last thing on Sunday. And people were basically nuking the YouTube chat saying, where's Bannerlord? We can,
3: <laughs> we can also answer that question in a less abstract way in that, like, on stage they did actually... Not answer the question fully, but in terms of when is the release date of Bandlord? Yeah. With they, they will finally say, okay, well, we want to get the game out in some form in 2016, and that might mean an early access release, mm-hmm. uh, or it might be like the the full thing. But uh, at some at some point this year, Mountain Blade Two Bandlord will be out in some form, uh, which is good because you know as we can see from the show there, it's actually looking pretty hot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. It was nice meeting all of the developers. who came down as well. We met Paradox. Uh, mm. I met Julian Gollop. He was very nice. Tell me a bit about his next game. I can't remember if he, he allowed me to talk about it or not publicly, so I won't talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> but it was uh, that was cool. Um, yeah, it was a really really nice weekend. And uh, if you came down, thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you again next year when we do it again. And if you didn't,
3: where were you? I'm tired already mm. thinking about that. Yeah, no, yeah. Just think about the burger stuff. That was a good burger.
0: Um, just a curiosity but if you could pick one PC gaming title to have remade capital R don't know if that's like a different thing to what I think it is but which would it be that was from Umbra Night 7 um, so I guess like uh, Homeworld Remastered something like that where they do like a really nice spruced up version of a classic PC game yeah, um, are we
3: talking remastered or probably <clears throat> remade actually coming back to it with a new wouldn't,
0: wouldn't mind seeing what Deus Ex looks like with mm. Human Revolution sort of graphic, or like um, Mankind yeah. Divided's graphics. Like, yeah, that's a good one. Because like you, know, you could keep the systems in that game exactly as is, and even like uh, even if just the character models and environments look nicer, like, you could keep all the systems intact. Um, mm. I'd quite like to see that.
2: What, are you, what, are you, what about you guys? I'd like to see the um, original Doom levels done in the new engine. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah just like as a little bonus thing. Maybe not a bonus thing, because it, it would take a lot of work to make. <laughs> but just like I'd like to run through like E1M1, you know, in the mega new engine. You
0: you yeah. would hope that that's a, a thing that will be uh, made possible by the uh, modding
2: community. Oh yeah, the snap map thing. Yeah, I'm sure someone yeah, will someone make the yeah. i certainly do it that. Be, yeah. be, it would be like
3: a real <laughs> test of the new Doom to see how it transferred over to yeah. those old maps and old levels. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's quite a boring one when you think about it. But nah, I just, want, I just right. want to replay original Doom, but with super sixty FPS yeah. mega visuals.
0: Yeah, yeah. So some of the X Wing games as well. I think like it'd be nice to see what those ships oh, looking yeah. like uh, mm. amazing. Like I, I, I mean, I'm saying, it wouldn't be too hard. It we would be because you need to create all the models. But there are no environments in that game. It's just space. So if you if you just created yeah. those models and redid the cockpits, then just I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> for the cost of millions and millions <laughs> of dollars then sort um, out all the licensing issues <laughs> and... well it's nice to have them i uh, have them on GOG but I'd love to uh, I'd love to play those games or, like to have Battlefront's models but in uh, in an X-Wing game yeah. that'd be amazing you know um, yeah what about you Phil?
3: I'd really like um, to remake Thief 2 uh, I'd just really like to see another Thief game but not the Thief game we got uh, in 2014 or whatever with rooftop dogs yeah like just a proper Thief game okay that's that's also a really boring answer. I'm sorry. That's all right. Okay. <laughs> what can I say? We're, we're a, not interesting people, yeah, you no, know, no, no.
0: <laughs> categorically. Um, what do you think of Windows 10 Store and Microsoft's plan to expand and provide games on both their platforms, Xbox and PC? That's from Raman Shazad. Um, I, uh, Phil, you've got some strong thoughts on this, haven't you?
3: No. I wouldn't say they were strong. I've, like, because because I was at um, the Xbox Spring Showcase, so I was talking to Phil Spencer and Mikey Barr about lane dropping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blatantly. <laughs> L- literal information. That we <laughs> sorry, sorry. Context, <laughs> Context not... But what, a, what a rubbish name drop. Oh, yeah, I was hanging out with Phil Spencer. Have you said that I to anyone outside of this, yeah.
2: you know, this business? Like, eh? I suppose yeah.
0: so. I think that's pretty impressive, though. I mean, it's not like you're going, oh, so I was uh, having a beer with Molyneux, and, uh, you know, <laughs> anyway, carry on.
3: <clears throat> anyway. Yes. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, talking to them about it, it's, it's interesting to hear what their thoughts are. It's also been revealing to see like Tim Sweeney's comments and on um, on on our website we got um, Durante of like Dark Souls fix mods and that like actually going into a fairly in-depth exploration of what the problems with UWP and the universal Windows apps are. Um, what they can't do in relation to Win thirty two. Uh, the reason I don't have strong feelings is because all of that information is kind of swirling around, and I haven't quite settled on where I am with it. Like I think, ultimately, like I do see the problems. There. Like there, there is a version of the future where this is really bad, and Microsoft does uh, do their best to lock down f- new features to the Universal Windows Platform just so they can push people towards the Windows Store and keep things. Within their very controlled lockdown ecosystem, uh, at the expense of PC gaming, like literally as we know it. Um, but. There's your doomsday snap. That, that, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that is probably the worst case. Like, there, there is, that, that is one of the alternate paths. One of one of the alternate versions. There's your Batman in a jacket. Darkest time destroyed uh, <laughs>
0: destroyed City scenario.
3: Where Phil Spencer's wearing a fake mustache <laughs> and goatee and <laughs> cackling. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. I don't
2: think I know enough about it yet, but if I have to. I've already got Origin, you play Steam, and the Blizzard Launcher mm. uh, as my various conduits to the games I play. If I have to add a fifth thing to that, the Windows Store or whatever. I think, well, that, I think you can too much. Just, you can
0: just boot the games from uh, from the from the menu. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah, don't even you need don't, don't you, you need yeah. to
3: open. You just have to buy them through the window. So like that's the other. If it is just a case of all Microsoft are doing is offering an alternative to Win thirty two and features as they're created, like new new um, development libraries and stuff are mm. shared between UWP and Win thirty uh, two, as is the case with DirectX, Twelve, like that's not locked down to the universal windows platform if it is just a store within microsoft's ecosystem that developers can take advantage of if they want then no it's not really a big deal yeah like, it's kind of annoying not being able to buy quantum break on steam yeah it's a bit annoying having a version of it that you know supports things like you know overlays and fraps and whatever view and uh vsync to being able to disable vsync or whatever stuff that Microsoft do say they're looking into like it isn't a function of EWP. It's just a thing that in the future, you know, they, they might sort out and fix and restore kind of Win thirty two functionality into this platform.
0: I, um, uh, if, I'm so, yeah, uh,
3: that's fine. I guess if that if it if it's, if it's a genuine alternative that that there is no. There's no special advantage to using beyond you get access to Microsoft's like you know an easy way to port games to also to Xbox or thingy if that's what you if that's the main advantage they're driving yeah all of us want to take you know make use of that that's fine
0: okay well uh, my my uh, concerns I mean Durante raised was that they he he didn't think I think I'm getting this right he didn't think they were entirely clear on whether on the status of whether you can re-download games in the future which is something I worry about like um. Cause on Steam. You're very uh, or GOG. You're very uh, assured that even if a game's delisted, you can download it forever, and that's uh,
3: you know. Um, so far, that's that's been yeah, yeah, that's yeah. been the case. Um, that's been the case so far. Although, even with like Steam and Origin and GOG, whatever, you, you don't actually know what will happen if all the companies yeah, just disappear true. one day. And like, yeah, digital ownership in general has a lot of question marks. But with Microsoft, specifically, yeah, if, like a license runs out, like as happened with some games and they've had to take it off the store at least with Steam, yeah, everybody owns it still. Everybody who owned it can still download it at
0: least. Yeah. Yeah. But there's there's also the thing where like if they hadn't have uh, released these games on the Windows store, they probably wouldn't have released them on PC at all. If you look at like the Xbox three sixties exclusive games and like Microsoft's attitude to the PC in recent history. So it's one of those things where it's like, well I guess I guess this is not an ideal alternative, but at least you've got Quantum break on PC, you know?
3: Yeah, like, uh, and and it looks like, you know, okay, so Forza 6 isn't coming to PC as Forza 6, it's coming as, like, the free curated Forza 6 Apex, but that may mean future Forza games come through the Universal Windows platform onto PC. And yeah, again, it's not how I'd want to buy it in an ideal world where I've got unlimited choice, but, you know, as a thing that I'd settle with just to own some
2: good games. Yeah, it's alright a lot of xbox one people are upset about it because their <laughs> exclusives are now no longer exclusive
0: which is just dumb i think because like uh, i think the audiences for pc and console are, are quite different or uh if they do crossover then people will already have a pc and they'd be fine to why would they be angry but if, um you know
3: if you look at how much of the <laughs> much of the games media functions i don't think it's ever going to be a big deal like people you know a lot of People think of Street Fighter Five as being exclusive to PlayStation. It's yeah. like, no, it's not, we've got that too. Yeah. You can play that on PC, but that's not part of the it's not part of the big console war narrative. We just sort of sat at the side. So it doesn't make a lot of difference, I don't think.
0: Even like Kojima's next game, didn't mm. they act didn't Sony themselves accidentally reveal <clears throat> it was coming to PC also? Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, it's uh, I don't know. This is that sounds like uh, a problem with them, the people, rather than any of the platforms. To be honest, <laughs> like uh, yeah, I just don't see why you get upset about more people getting to play a, a cool game, particularly when all of Remedy's other games have come out on PC. Yeah. You know,
3: I mean, people are upset, Andy, because Phil Spencer admitted to being looking forward to Uncharted Four. So yeah. I mean, let's not.
2: People get upset about anything.
3: because yeah, <laughs> the thing you can get upset about. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Fair enough
0: okay cool um, so Matthias N. Hadberg asks after the open world craze of recent times what do you think is next I assume that means like
2: big, the next big fad yeah I'm, I'm predicting Division Destiny type games Every, all the big publishers are going to want their own slice of the MMO, MMO thing pie yeah.
0: yeah yeah that's probably a good shout actually yeah. or just like uh, a reason for you to keep playing and using
2: games yeah. as a service right that's uh, yeah yeah. Uh, we're going to see more of that because now Ubi and, who is it that publishes Destiny uh, Anyone, Activision, Act- so yeah, Activision and Ubisoft now have their yeah. their own big game as a service, compelling lo- thing to keep yeah. people glued onto it, like Which crack addicts. Ultimately, it's a progression of open world, isn't it? It's open yeah. world,
3: but now there's some online systems, like a bit of RPGing, yeah. and it's it's just it's more into the melting yeah. pot of we do everything and we run it forever.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm I'm Jeez. I'm I'm down with that. Yeah, I quite I, you know I quite like the division, but I don't know if you. Could, the structure of the of the division, having never played Destiny, it feels like it's it's filled that Destiny shaped gap in my game's library.
0: Yeah, the thing uh, the thing Destiny uh, had a problem with was uh, was loot and like how much it rewarded you for playing. Um, as long as people stay on the right side of that, I really don't mind. Um, this uh, I think it's fine. Like uh, it's also like <coughs> one of those game those sorts of, those types of games require such a big investment that you're probably only ever going to see about five or six of them anyway. Uh, but maybe I've been intrigued to see what like uh, a Rockstar open world game would look like if it
2: was a little bit more like that I mean GTA Online has got some of those elements mm, certainly feels like GTA Online might be an experiment for a standalone for them doing it properly in a way that works properly yeah, yeah. Uh, and I c- a c- can thing. see a, a GTA Online component being the, the main thing I, I personally don't want that I want GTA to always be a, a 50 hour campaign yeah me too with yeah. Loads of mad missions, but I mean, if you look at the updates, we are constantly getting press releases for new content, release for GTA Online. I I personally want a Bard of Gay Tony or Lost and Damned equivalent. That's probably mm. not going to happen because so many people are playing the online side of things.
0: It's, I think I think they'll always do both, but yeah, you're right. In that instance, they just seem to make a decision that this makes more money. I think that I'm pretty sure that makes tens of thousands of dollars a day GTA Online. People buying shark cards, to get yeah, saying game money. I bet lots of people. People buy that. It's crazy, but you know that stuff clearly works, or otherwise we wouldn't see you know cosmetic packs in the likes of yeah. Destiny or other games like it. Um, but yes, uh, I guess that's that's a good shout to me, and also people making just making more mobas, like
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> also endless mobas,
0: e- epic making their own. You know, actually, Fable Legends was cancelled, wasn't it? But um, oh, yeah. you know, but I think people dipping was their toe in that.
3: Wasn't that like the Evolve four v one weird thing? And I thought it was a moba. I as it was well. a moba in the end because it
2: was all these different heroes. <laughs> it had like in-game gold purchases and yeah, stuff. Not so
3: not everything that has heroes is a moba. Overwatch isn't a moba. No, that's
2: yeah. true. Like, well, like no. anything
3: that, that seems like <clears throat> like the new sort of side avenue to mobas is things like Overwatch and Paladins. Is it from high res?
0: Levels do more or, or, or less is... have three lanes in uh, in Overwatch though, don't
2: they? And like and special um, abilities. Yeah, and special abilities. But they're doing their own. With that, oh that um, Victor Antonov well, designed not, thing, in, battle cry, battle, battle cry, Yeah, that was in
0: tr- that was in trouble. That was wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe I. Yeah, okay. Didn't, yeah,
3: didn't Bethesda like say, oh, it's not where we need it to be? <laughs> yeah, which is not what you want to hear your publisher saying about your <laughs> publicly. In, yeah, publicly saying about <clears throat> your in development game.
2: Mm. Uh, yes. Okay. Do you think actually? Do you think Gearbox are going to do Destiny, but with Borderlands? I like, think they'll uh, have to. Uh, Borderlands expanded into a semi-open MMO type thing. They'll need to because I think they're one yeah.
0: step behind what those games are now. Like that's yeah. uh, they were the big dogs but, in town. Well, a few yeah, years but ago. Gearbox
3: have got their, like they've got Battleborn, haven't
0: they? That's true, actually. Yeah, yeah. Which
3: is kind of that, I guess. I, I guess I don't I, even I, know what that is. But <laughs> oh, that's the one. That's the that that's that's the other shooter with lots of heroes that uh, yeah. you know how how. All the shooters, are. maybe
2: that's a, of, a better answer to the question. It's gonna be a lot of hero based multiplayer mm, games. It's one where you look at the screenshots and then you immediately forget what it was. <laughs> Even it the name, like. as well, is just totally well. It
3: doesn't help when we've already talked about like Battlecry. Like the one I get confused by is I think high res are doing Paladins, but Epic are now doing Paragon. And it's Oof. like
2: these names are Umbra all just so bland. <laughs> so
3: bland, so bland. hero shooter thing.
2: There's so many games coming out now, you gotta have a a name that stands out. I am Bred, you know. Oh, like, Stardew Valley there's no other games Devil Daggers yeah the the Visions are quite a boring name but it sort of it's kind of sticks out a bit and they've been going on about it for three years <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. That, helps. that really builds some brand <laughs> recognition and like, and whereas uh, I have gone back to just Hitman which is an SEO nightmare mm. it's a bit they still make
0: all, all those adverts still make it look like it's some kind of fashion company as well <laughs> yeah um, but uh, But yeah uh, hmm Okay, so this is actually kind of similar to the question we had earlier, but uh, this is from Ethan uh, uh Why do game developers release games before they're finished polished products? So This is
2: like, instead of
0: what do you think access. of them,
2: more like, why do they exist?
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Money? I guess like... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Reasons? One of the things people raise with the Division is it's yet another game where on day one the service didn't work, but uh, the outrage towards that seemed to subside almost immediately.
2: Have yeah. People they were, were angry about laptops for, yeah. instead. Yeah, they were yeah. down for... a, a brief period of time and also massive fix that laptop thing within like a day apparently
0: yeah but like so uh, I
2: think only, any slight outrage for a game as big as that's going to be amplified isn't it yes
0: time. um i'm yeah. <clears> to <throat> think of other cases i guess batman arkham knight is an example that's, of a game that's that
3: probably that, yeah the big batman uh, so, syndicate and you can read the question in two ways can't you yeah, yeah
2: i was but, thinking does he mean why do people uh, why is early access now become appealing to developers or why do people release games that are just broken Which should like probably Arkham do Knight. the latter because we've already covered
3: yeah, access. yeah.
2: why did Arkham Knight happen
0: I don't know I think they just didn't have their eye on it like
3: uh, um, I, I, really I, needed that game to release at that time I guess yeah
0: and it was madness though like to think that I mean people must have tested it and they must have been aware yeah. like you can't just you can't you can't plead ignorance when it comes to yeah, something like that definitely
2: well, um,
3: Gone away with it if it wasn't for Steam refunds. Like they probably wouldn't have pulled
2: it for sale if people didn't have the ability to refund it. When to it, me, that was like the big moment that went. It went. Steam refunds are powerful. Yes. Because yeah. Consumer
0: action. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't know, but like uh, I, I assume it's just because you know PC is not always prioritized, or games don't have enough people to get them finished. There's, there's also the argument with games like Metal Gear Solid Five where people say there's not. Uh, oh, yeah, that, that sort of trails off and doesn't really have a, you know, a finale or whatever but like um, I don't necessarily agree with that
2: but uh,
0: yeah I don't know it's, there's all kinds of factors that play into it but do the,
2: you think they cynically just go most people won't care or bother to get a refund
0: possibly um, in Batman's case I really don't get it because that game looks amazing on other consoles and it should have come to PC like with mm. people just hailing it like I can't mm. believe that there's a PC yeah. game that looks this good mm. and if they just you know Given it the same effort they gave the PS4 and Xbox versions, that's what that game would have been. And said even, it was a nightmare. You know, and even after the
2: patch as well, it still didn't work. Oh, no, I yeah, it's still, to, yeah. Yeah, still not
3: in a great position. But they've basically put their hands up and walked away. Now it seems. It's, it's
2: so weird because the the previous two games, um, at least after a few patches, ran mm, yeah, quite well. I, 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 both yeah. of them launched a little. Yeah.
3: yeah, they were a little ropey when they launched, but they did at least get them into a good position. And
2: hmm, but yes. I'd say previous two games, forgetting about Origins, which everyone does. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Sorry if you worked on Origins,
0: but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's a solid effort, but... Uh, <laughs> Real C+. Hey, I've never made a Batman game. You know, yeah. it's, it's better than the Batman games I've made. Um, okay, great. Cool, well, I hope you've enjoyed this first episode. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully. Should be fine. Uh, no, we will be back next yeah, week. Um, we're going to aim to publish these every Monday, I think. Uh time permitting but please uh, follow us on twitter i'm sure you already do but that's at pc gamer where we'll update you on the status of the podcast and such do if you guys on to link to your individual accounts i'm samuel w roberts on twitter it's all nonsense though so i apologize in advance
3: andy i'm at ultra brilliant and i'm at octader that's o c t a e d e r by the numbers you're probably already following andy
0: kelly because uh, he's a, <laughs> yeah, tw- he's be a twitter fly. legend uh, <laughs> But uh, yes, Uh, thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week.